I'll read scripture for us. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its trouble. Try this microphone. Is that better? Maybe that'll be a little better. Well, just to recap where we are at, um, what we're trying to do when we read scripture is to kind of see how God is presenting scripture to us. So one of the things we've been teaching is in scripture, every time you see a therefore, here's the saying, every time you see a therefore, see what it's there for. Okay, remember that. Every time you see a therefore, see what it's there for. Meaning, look before the passage. What is Jesus talking about? And we see it's what we talked about last week. And it's this topic of laying up your treasures in heaven. And we talked about the dangers of money and Greece and the deception that comes from it. And what we saw was that greed, it not only tries to hide itself. Remember, no one thinks they're greedy because greed hides itself from us. But greed also tries to hide something about us, an idol, a desire that we have that is not God himself. So now in light of all of this, as we're living for heavenly treasures and not earthly treasures, Jesus says, therefore, in light of this, don't be anxious about all that you need in this life. Having seen how transient and temporary these earthly treasures are, seeing just how eternally secure your heavenly treasures are, as you invest in those things, do not be anxious about all that life is going to throw at you. Why? Because Jesus himself, he cares. And he has a concern for you. And therefore, he addresses this topic of anxiety. And it's a very huge topic, not just for the Christian, but for everyone. I just did a very simple search on the New York Times and their catalog just to see just how often anxiety is talked about in their articles. Do you know how many search hits I got? 55,133 instances of anxiety, of people talking about anxiety. So it's very prevalent today. They call it a pandemic and anxiety. Why? Because there are so many things you can worry about, isn't there? Um, Alistair Bay, one pastor, he shared about this play that he read. And it's a one-woman play. And in this one-woman play, what she does is she goes and talks about these various things 
uh, of life. And one of the scenes is her just kind of just stating all the things that she's worried about. And she goes like this, I'm worried that olive oil comes from olives and peanut oil comes from peanuts. Then where does baby oil come from? And she says all of these little things that she's worried about. But as she progresses at the end, she says this. I'm also worried about my place in the cosmic scheme of things. But then again, I worry, is there a cosmic scheme of things? What does that go to show? We can worry about something as small and insignificant as baby oil, to have something as grand as, what's the meaning of my life? <laughs> what's going to happen when I die? And so all of these things, the whole spectrum, are reasons why we worry so much. And the gospel hope that we have in light of all of this is the fact that God, he knows about your anxiety. And he cares he cares enough to address it. He cares enough to talk about it, as we see in this passage. And not only just does he simply tell us to stop worrying, but he cares enough to tell us why we can stop worrying, to be free from anxiety, so that we can be concerned with heavenly treasures. And what Jesus talks about, undergirding all of this, it's a matter of your faith. It's a matter of what you believe in. So that's going to be an overall topic for this morning. Three points. Number one, your anxiety reveals the placement of your faith. Your anxiety, it tells you where you're placing your faith. Number two, false promises are the places you often place your faith in. So we're going to talk about the false promises, where we place our faith. And finally, the true promises that we should rest in, the true promises we need to place our faith in. Okay? So with that, let's again, let's ask the Lord for his help as we look in his word. God, we come before you this morning, some of us struggling about finances, struggling about the raising of our kids, struggling about our careers, anxious about relationships, there are many things. Lord, may your gospel speak to each and every one of those concerns. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So first, your anxiety reveals the placement of your faith. Now, if you remember, one of the takeaways last week was that greed and money, it covers up something that's deeper, something that's going on inside of your heart, this idolatrous desire. And that same concept is going to apply today where anxiety is going to be indicative of something in your heart, okay? Something external like anxiety is indicative of what you believe in your heart. And that's why we call it a misplaced faith. In other words, underneath your anxiety is idolatry idolatry. Why? Because if you define idolatry, it's what is it? It's worshiping something or someone other than God. Isn't that idolatry? And whatever you worship, it controls you. For example, if you worship success, that's the number one thing you want in your life. You will do whatever you can to get that success. And therefore, success is controlling you. It's making you decide things 
to get it. It's influencing how you think. It's actually influencing your emotions. And that idol is controlling you. And so if we take that concept with anxiety, what it means is that instead of placing your faith in God, you are placing your faith in something or someone else. And the reason why you are anxious is because that thing or that person, it cannot hold the weight of your faith. Because there is no guarantee those things will end up the way you want them to. And that's what idolatry is. is placing your faith in something or someone other than God. Placing your hope and your faith in, in money in a relationship, in another person, to, to be a kind of person, the person that you want him or her to be. Or as college students, don't we have our hopes and our faith in this idea that if you study hard, if you get certain grades, you will get an interview. And if you do well on your interview, you will get a great job and you will get a high salary, you will get promoted. We believe and put our faith in that system, which is why we work so hard today. But what happens when you don't get that job? your world comes crumbling down because it doesn't hold the weight of your faith. Only God can. The reason why we are anxious is because you have no certainty that whatever you're placing your faith in, and that's going to show in your anxiety, that no matter how hard you try to ensure its certainty, it's outside of your control. And a system of faith that is built on those things, that kind of prom, uh, premise, it will result in anxiety. Why? Because you're trying to place your faith in the uncontrollable. This counselor, David Pallison, he writes this. Warriors act as if they might be able to control the uncontrollable. Central to anxiety is the illusion that you can control things. Anxiety and control are two sides of one coin. When you can't control something, you worry about it. The only person that can put up with that kind of weight is God himself. And it is only God who can deliver on his promises and provide the kind of certainty and has the power to control the outcome. Only God alone and placing your faith in anything but God is idolatry. It's misplacing your faith. That's why one commentator says, anxiety is practical atheism. Practical atheism, because you're living as if God doesn't exist. Worry is misplacement of your faith in things other than God. Why? How do we see that? Look at verse 30. What does he call those people who are anxious? He calls them what? You of little faith, as if you have no faith. He connects that outward emotion and appearance of anxiety to this deeper reality of faithlessness in your heart. That's underneath it, idolatry. It's not having faith in God, but in something other than God. And Jesus, he draws this out further. If you look at verse 31, he said, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? And he says, The Gentiles think like this. The Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Why does he say Gentiles? Well, think about who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to Jewish people. 
the Jewish people who knows about the God of the Old Testament. They experienced, they've seen, they read about this heavenly father all the way since Adam through Abraham through David. So they know who God is. They know that there is a heavenly father. But what Jesus is saying, the Gentiles, they don't know that God exists. Therefore, it makes sense why they're anxious because they don't know that there is a heavenly father who cares for them. But for you, you know very well you have a heavenly father. Anxiety reveals what you believe in, whether it be about God, this world, or yourself. And where you place your faith is going to result in the kind of things you are anxious about. And having faith, not in God, when it comes to all that life throws at you, you will worry. So here's the takeaway. This means that whenever you detect signs of anxiety in your life, you have to take a step further and consider the question, what am I trusting in? What am I putting my faith in? What kind of promise am I holding onto? And why am I so unsure? And detect that deeper level of idolatry that you are holding onto. Do not simply say, everybody worries. It's just a fact of life. Take it a step further. Because it is trying to deceive you by thinking, everybody worries. It's just how we live. But no, there's something deeper going on inside of your heart. Take that extra step. Ask that question. Why am I so concerned? What am I putting my faith in? Let me give an example. And this is to encourage not only you, but myself as well. Um, our living room, one of the things I love is we have a lot of windows, and we have a lot of windows on one side and a window on the other side. And especially in the springtime, this great breeze might just carry um, just the outside smells into our living room and go across. And now once in a while, earlier this week, we were just kind of relaxing on our couch. And all of a sudden, my wife goes, ew, just looking at me. I get all offended. I'm like, you, ew. And she goes, do you smell that? And immediately I smell myself, like, no. It's like, something smells rancid. And I go, I don't know what it is. But here's the thing. We just go back to what we were doing. And a few minutes later, it hits me and I go, ew. And I look, I actually literally sniffed her. I was like, is that you? It's like, no. What is it? I don't know. We go back to our reading. <laughs> Only after a few minutes later, I finally went, okay, you know what? What is it? So I got up and I walked around and someone in our family, by process of elimination, because I didn't do it, someone left the trash can lid open. And so when this breeze came in, this smell, it literally hit us in the face. And now here's the point. We spent all that time detecting the smell but not getting to the root of it. And we were just suffering and suffering. But it is only when you take that extra step and ask that question, what is underneath this smell? Why am I feeling this? Why am I so concerned? Take that step. Investigate. What is that idolatrous desire that you have? The only other option is, you have to live with that smell for the rest of your life. We cannot be lazy and just assume that anxiety, it's not a big deal. Everyone struggles with it. 
No, get at the root of the issue. Get up, walk around, investigate, and see which lid is not closed in your heart. So let me ask you, are you anxious? But then can I ask you, why are you anxious? What are you placing your hope in? And is it God? Next question. Second point. Anxiety not only reveals our misplaced faith, it also reveals the wrong promises that you're trusting in. And I want to begin just by sharing just personally because anxiety is actually a very um, prevalent concern of my life. And growing up and even now, uh, one of my reoccurring issues in my heart is this theme of, of significance. Um, significance, meaning I really want my life to matter. I want, I want to leave an impact on this world and especially for God and his kingdom. And over time, that significance, that desire for it, it can be very idolatrous. So that goes to show, that shows in the way that I try to maximize my time and my efforts and, and all of my resources because I want to be as productive as I can be, right? So you know that term YOLO, you only live once? And a lot of the times when they say YOLO, they're thinking about like skydiving, hang gliding, or eating gluttonous amounts of food and posting it on Instagram. If I posted my YOLO, it would be having three computer screens, being having this productive workstation, having the Pomodoro app so that I can focus every 25 minutes and take a break five minutes, and being as effective as I can be which is why I sold one of my monitors last week, because I knew this was getting out of hand. But why? I had this desire. I cannot waste my time. And I would stay up till 3, 4 in the morning just doing things, because I feel like every hour of my life that goes by, that's one less hour I can devote to this world, to God. And I had to take a step further and think, why do I feel this way? Why am I so anxious? And underneath it is a belief that the more I do for God, the more significant I feel. And I am worshiping myself. I am basing my relationship with God, not based on what Jesus has done, but, but how much I can do for him. And I need to take a step further. You know, earlier last year, my wife and I went to Italy, and it was one of those aha moments where we're just kind of looking at these various sculptures. And one of the things you have to see in Italy is Michelangelo's Pieta, okay? And seeing that from afar and getting closer, it was just extravagant. It was amazing. And as I was observing it, I overheard this tour guide kind of talking about this work. And one of the things she says is, Michelangelo created one of the most beautiful and most recognizable pieces of sculpture in all of history. And he did it when he was 24 years old. And when everyone heard that, they were like, wow, they're so amazed. And you know what I was having? a panic attack. What did I do when I was 24? I was probably in front of the TV eating ice cream, and I just literally was having a panic attack. I almost wanted to just go back to my hostel and just start reading and just waste that time. Like, what am I doing here? 
this anxiety crept up. Take a step further. Why are you anxious? What are you believing in? What false promises are you hoping in? Jesus, he makes this argument by using what we call this lesser to greater argument. And it reveals how we have these misplaced hopes. He gives two reasons, and that's going to be the rest of our message today. The first, he looks at the birds. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then he talks about the flowers of the field and says, why are you so anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Here we see that again. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's using a lesser to greater argument. It's very effective, and we see that in Scripture. It goes like this. If one situation holds true, then a bigger, similar situation will be just as true. Let me give an example. Scenario A, we saw when the Eagles brought a Super Bowl championship to our city. We saw the results of that. Everyone in the city was excited. There was a buzz. People were giving each other hugs and, and giving free coffee to one another. It was a great time. Now, situation B, if Bryce Harper brings home a World Series championship, and Joel Embiid brings home an NBA championship, and also Carson Wentz brings us a Super Bowl ring again, how much more coffee would I get? How much more excitement would there be in this city, right? Very simple. Jesus uses simple ways to communicate something. Look at the birds. Look how they have no concern or worry. And every day, God feeds them. Scenario B, look at your life. Aren't you more valuable than they? God will most certainly provide you with what you need a day at a time. And not only with your provisions, what you need, the reason why Jesus gives flowers is because not only is just about what you need, but he will make you extravagant, like the flowers, the beauty that they adorn. He will make your life not only sufficient, to go through this life, he will give you all that you need to be extravagant in this life. And as much as we claim to know this, the question is, does your life actually reflect this? If someone observed your life and the things that you worry about, do you really believe this lesser to greater argument? If the birds were observing you, what would they say? Here's a little children's story. It goes like this. There's a robin and there's a sparrow. Said the robin to the sparrow. Okay, two birds talking. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father like you and me. That's why Martin Luther says, every time you wake up in the morning, hear the birds preach to you. Saying they have no cares in this world because they know they have a heavenly father. Do you? Where is your faith? 
He challenges us again in verse 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? This tells us, do not believe that being anxious and being overly concerned about certain things, don't believe that that has the power to change an outcome. It has no power whatsoever to bring about any kind of change. Now, Jesus is not saying, okay, be lazy. Go about this life with this carefree attitude. Because in other parts of Scripture, it very clearly says, be diligent, plan, do the work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says to certain lazy Christians, he says, for we hear that some of you are in idleness, not being busy at work, but being busy bodies. Now to such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. And so even if you consider Jesus' illustration of the birds, one pastor says this, God provides food for the birds, but God doesn't drop them in their beaks. What do the birds do? They fly around, they nest, they gather, yet they're not anxious. So while Scripture commands planning and being diligent and doing the work, what Jesus warns against is worrying about the results of your work being anxious about how things will turn out. And I'm borrowing this example uh, from this one pastor, and let me apply it to something that our church is going through right now. You know, this coming Saturday, we have the Easter egg hunt, okay? So we as a church, we're supposed to plan, we're supposed to design all the events for that day and scheduling, just like the farmer as the farmer sows and, and plows and, and waters his field, we likewise need to do the plowing and the sowing and watering for this coming Saturday. This pastor writes, okay, Jesus wants us to do that. He wants us to plan and to sow and to, and to water. But what about the questions that start to arise, such as, how will it go on Saturday? Will there be people there? Will God make it an amazing event for everyone? Will it be a memorable experience for every child? Or will people be disappointed? Will it rain, which was something I was struggling with all week? Those are things we are not to be anxious about. There is a difference between planning and being diligent today, not being anxious about tomorrow. Do you see the difference? That's why he writes this. You will not be asked to live tomorrow on today's strength. What you need today is not tomorrow's strength, but today's faith. Right now, believing that tomorrow's mercy, they will be new. They will be enough for you. Let's end with this. Where are you to put your promises in? Where are we supposed to place our faith in? So, so far, we've seen how anxiety reveals our misplaced faith, some of these false promises. Now, where do we place our faith? Now, last week we said, when you're struggling with certain idolatries, the remedy is not, okay, I need to stop being idolatrous. Last week, I need to stop being so greedy. greedy. So I need to remove all of these temptations of my life. I need to minimize my life. I need to get away from all of these temptations. That's not the remedy. Likewise, if you see anxiety in your heart, the answer is, okay, I got to stop being anxious. Jesus tells me to stop being anxious. Okay, stop. It's not going to work. Actually, that's how the world actually prescribes how to handle anxiety. I looked at not all 55,000, but a few of the articles 
uh, online and some of these journal articles. And mostly these articles, what they're saying, the two remedies to anxiety, these worldly recommendations, number one, just accept it. <laughs> That's just part of life. And the sooner you can accept that anxiety is part of life, the sooner you will be at peace. That's the first suggestion. The other suggestion that they give is, when things are out of control in your life, focus on the things that you have control over. And that will give you peace. So let me give you an example of how it doesn't work. So I read this one article. This person is a classical pianist, okay? This person struggles with anxiety, as you would imagine. He writes this. As a performer, I've often confronted anxiety in many forms. I worry about finding the right footing as a musician. I confront fears that I might not be good enough in a crowded area of people. And I face the sheer terror of going out there to play a recital for a concerto with an orchestra. And this person goes, I finally accepted the fact that people in the arts we have to deal with a higher and more constant level of anxiety than most people. So when someone asks me how I deal with performance anxiety, I usually say, it's just an essential part of performing, just something that you have to embrace. He says that. And you know what he writes at the end of the article? He says, then I go throw up. <laughs> What's he saying? It doesn't work. Just accepting that this is how life is it doesn't change anything. Another person writes, control the things that you can. He says, go concentrate on the things at work. Go, go volunteer. Have little hobbies where you can have absolute control over those things. That's the best that this world has to offer. What does Jesus say? He doesn't say just, just live with your anxiety or control these other little things. But what he says is put your faith Put your trust in your heavenly Father who knows everything that you need, cares for you. Here's one verse that I want you to just either jot down or to carry with you. Every time you're anxious, look at this verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It's something I carry with me all the time. Humble yourselves, therefore. Cast your burdens onto God. And here's the promise. Because he cares for you, cast your burdens onto him because he cares for you. What this does is it relocates your faith away from the idolatries into what? Not to something, not to some idea, but to someone, a person, your heavenly father. And it is far greater, far better to put your faith in a person rather than an idea or a thing. Let me end with this illustration, knowing that this is the kind of God that you have, a personal God. Um, as you know, I led many trips overseas, these short-term trips, and a lot of the times I would take college students with me. Sometimes it would be 12 college students all at once, and being a team leader, I would always have to figure out what we're going to eat we're in a foreign country, right? So a lot of the times I felt like I was mother goose with all of these ducklings always following me. Like, what are we going to eat? Where can we eat? What's good to eat? Now, the problem was I myself wasn't that savvy in some of these places. There are some languages, some dialects that I had no idea how to translate. But here's one thing that I did. 
no matter where we went, no matter what village we went, no matter what dialect I spoke, I made sure to do this. How do you say fried rice and noodle soup in that dialect? How can I read those two things? And no matter what restaurant we went, a Tibetan restaurant, a Sichuanese restaurant, I would know where the fried rice was and the noodle soup was. And every time the team, they knew they had one of two options, <laughs> fried rice or noodle soup. Now, once in a while, a smart guy would say, Pastor, there's a lot more on this menu. Are you sure it's just fried rice and noodle soup? And yeah, I'm just describing it. Uh, this one you can get with chicken if you want. And that's all they would know. Here's the thing. None of them lost weight. <laughs> a lot of them gained weight. They had not worried once about what they were going to eat because they knew we have a pastor who knows fried rice, noodle soup, and every dialect in this province. So at the very least, we're not going to starve. It's far better to trust in a person rather than things rather than an idea, rather than yourself. Wouldn't you rather have a heavenly father who knows everything that you need and cares for you rather than some kind of idol that you've been making, the promise of a certain kind of life, the promise that your kids are going to end up a certain way? It's far better to believe in God and to help us not only does God give a lesser to greater argument, he also gives us a greater to lesser argument. And it goes like this. If you have a God who loves you so much that he gave you his most precious possession, and if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? He has a greater to lesser argument we can always fall back on. That's Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Here at Renewal, as we close our time, we invite everyone to take a few minutes and just to pray on your own and just respond to how God might be speaking to you this morning. Take a step further. What does your anxiety tell you about your heart? What are you placing your faith in? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those desires so that we can repent of them. Let's pray.